what we see working, uh, we've got to start all over. Um, what we see today is people using that again to exalt and exalt themselves in front of men uh, in order to gain some sort of esteem uh, or money. It's very often tied to money. Utterance of wisdom kind of falls in the same category, the divine enablement to give a direct word from the Lord to skillfully guide the local church in a specific decision deemed a revelatory gift because it connected with the word of knowledge which is linked to prophecy. So, we need any more talk about those? Have we beat that horse to death? All right. Let's move on to the permanent gifts and talk about them because these are the ones that are relevant to us today. Uh, if you look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, when if the, the spiritual gifts are the work of the Spirit of God within us, so every believer... The Spirit of God is within you. You're, a, you're a, a regenerate believer. The Spirit comes in. He brings at least a gift. That's what Scripture indicates. That He dwells in you. He brings a, a supernatural enablement, a supernatural capacity for being used to edify the body, members of Christ, and, and advance the kingdom work. All right? So, um, how does he do that? Well, the gifts that we find in the scripture that fall in this category, evangelist, exhortation, faith, giving, helping or serving, leading, administrating, mercy, prophecy, preaching, shepherd, teacher, spiritual discernment, and teaching. So, uh, someone has the spiritual gift of evangelism. What does that mean? Are those the only people that can lead someone to Christ? No. Yeah. No. You're right. So what does it mean? Like they, they do it really, really well, or they're, they're gifted at it in such a way that, uh, I don't know, it's, they just kind of take it to another level, <clears throat> continuum, if you will. Yeah, I would say that it, it even goes, it's more than that, that it's more about, um, uh, I think that they do, they do it with ease. Mm -hmm. It's natural. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is, it comes with ease. It's not something that's arduous. It's not something that's burdensome. And, and it's something that's effective. Uh, not because they're especially good at it, which they, they probably are, but they, uh, they have God working through them. This is the strength that he's, He's equipped them with, and so he uses them in that capacity. You know, we think back to a Billy Graham. Uh, you know, we've probably all met someone. I, I can tell you of a guy that I had a few years ago in church out in Oklahoma. I think I've referred to him before that was a storm chaser. And he was a churchgoer, and he started coming to our church, and, you know, 
came around and realized he wasn't, he wasn't truly converted. He was a false convert. So he was saved, and, uh, and he comes in to see me one day, and he says, uh, you know, I want to find out how to share my faith with other people. I want you to help me with that. And I said, okay. Well, it didn't take a brain surgeon to do this. Because everywhere he went, he, he drove in one of these big souped-up, you know, trucks with all the, you know, antennas and all that, you know, UFO stuff on it, uh, and had the, the monogram of the TV station in Oklahoma City that he worked with uh, on it. So everywhere he went, what? He drew a crowd without even trying. Most of us that want to share our faith, we're trying to figure out how do I get a conversation going with somebody so I can share my faith. With him, all he had to do was drive into a parking lot and people came from everywhere. Hey, cool truck. So what we had to do was say, okay, how do you get from cool truck to cool savior? And, and so he had video footage. He had all kinds of stuff to work with. So it was, a, you know, it was great. So we started giving him ideas. Take your video footage, put some of this stuff together. Um, you know, take some of these gadgets that you got and show people about the power of a tornado coming through, the damage that it can do, and translate that to supernatural power, which, you know, talks to the regeneration of the soul. And, you know, so we got him going, and he started working on that, and he, you know, he was just going crazy. He was going to schools and talking and sharing his faith in schools because of this. He had grace to do things that none of the rest of us would get to do because he had cool toys. Um... And he had this gift of evangelism. He wanted to share. He loved sharing. That's what he lived for. And, and God blessed him through it, you know. Billy Graham, you know, most preachers that study and work hard at their, uh, at their, their calling, you know, we want to be able to exposit the Word of God. And we listen to Billy Graham preach some of the most simple sermons you've ever heard in your life. And do it very, you know, um, matter-of-factly. Uh, give an altar call and people come from everywhere you know and and turn their life over to Christ now you know we can sit here and argue all day about was it the machine you know the preparation all that stuff but but there was a giftedness in the man that envisioned this I've got a good friend in India that has the gift of evangelism he's he is a visionary when it comes to evangelism um, you know he was always thinking. Right now, uh, we help support, and we've sent teams over to Harvester's College in South India. I can remember when James first talked to me, we were going into schools and preaching the gospel. And we were preaching to tens of thousands of people in a two-week period of time, seeing them come to Christ. Uh, my friend, Matt Kearney, had this vision to get into the young generation and get the gospel in them. And it was working brilliantly. But that wasn't enough for James. James started thinking about the next step. What's going to happen next? I want to train up my own people to evangelize our own people. Okay? Well, that's beautiful. That's what, that's what you want. That's what you want in missions. And so he started thinking about, you know, a campus and, and having young guys and gals come in there and study the scriptures and, and become equipped to be pastors and evangelists and uh, and now you know there's 25 or 30 of those guys getting cranked out every year and they're they're getting a practical education they're they're understanding scripture but on the weekends they go out into villages where the gospel isn't known 
and they're showing the Jesus film and they're they're soul winning and then they're planting churches there in places where there are none. Uh, and so while James has aged out and isn't able to go and do those things now, the dream lives on and it's multiplying. Uh, to me, that's the gift of evangelism you know, that God entrusted him with. Uh, all of us, now all of us should be evangelizing, right? This doesn't let any of us off the hook. There are those who have a gift for evangelism, but we all have a call to evangelism. We all have a call. If we know Christ, we're called to be witnesses. But some have a special gift that God has given them. Exhortation. What's, what does it mean to exhort? What's exhortation? A coach. A coach? Yeah. Coach is someone that's got an urgency, someone that speaks into someone's life and compels and goads and encourages. You know, it's tough love one minute and sweet love the next minute, right? Because he's trying to draw out the best. So there are, there are people in the body of Christ, you know, in the church of God that have this gift of exhortation. Have this capacity, you know, to come alongside someone that they see may be struggling or someone that maybe has got a lot of exuberance, but they're not channeling it in the right direction and they need some coaching, they need some direction. So they're willing to come along and speak truth into their life and challenge them. You know, you need to do this. You need to go in this direction. Um, faith. The divine enablement to trust God in all details of His work, even when the outcome seems uncertain. This gift produces stellar assurance that God will accomplish His purposes. Okay? We all have faith if we're in Christ. In order to be saved, you have to have faith. But some people have a supernatural capacity for faith. They just believe God. They believe that God's going to do what God set out to do and that I don't have to worry or be anxious about any of these other things because I can rest in God and His promises. That's faith, isn't it? faith. Uh, when everybody else is trembling and wringing their hands a little bit or worried about it, you know, what, what's going to happen next, the person that's got this supernatural capacity of faith is just believing God, just taking God at His word. Um, helping and serving. The divine enablement to sacrificially and submissively help meet the needs of other Christians. Typically what you find in most churches. There's a ratio for some of these things. And the helping and serving is usually one of the predominant gifts in the body. And that's by design, I think, by God. You need people who are equipped and desiring to help people like that. Uh, there are people who just think that way, right? Anybody here know that that's your gift? Helping and serving? You don't want to be in the limelight. You don't really care if anybody notices or not, but you just see needs in front of you and you like to jump in there. James? Yeah. Um, and you, you need a lot of those people, you know? Some people have to, have to be shown sometimes that, hey, here's a need. Oh, okay. Tell me what to do. And then there are people who automatically step in and assess the situation and just start helping. And, and they're not looking for acknowledgement. They're not looking for uh, 
praise out of it. They're just doing it because that's what they're gifted to do. Giving. Skip that one, didn't we? I did that on purpose. No, I didn't really. The divine enablement to generously, joyfully, and sacrificially give earthly possessions to the Lord for the work of the ministry. So these are people that understand that they're just stewards. The things that they have, God has given, and that they're they're willing and able and uh, generous with, with their giving. And a lot of times, a lot of times you'll find the, the gift of giving goes with people that God has given the ability um, to acquire things, okay? Um, a businessman, most of the time, I, I've encountered them through the years, that, you know, just the things that they, they touch, the things they're involved with, they just have this ability to make money, gain possessions, and then they want to do something with it other than just, you know, count it. They want it to go for, for good purposes. Now, they're very, that doesn't mean that they're, uh, they're careless with it, that they'll just throw it at anything, but they understand it can do good, and so they look for those areas where they think it can do the most, but they're more than willing to give it, and, and God just blesses them that way. Um, some of us work hard, we save, and we pinch pennies, and we do everything to try to get a little nest egg going, and then stuff happens and takes it away, and you know, we don't understand these people that just, you know, walk into a room and it just kind of falls out of the sky and, you know, but they know what to do with it. They, they have a plan for it and use it for God's glory. That doesn't alleviate, alleviate any of us from giving. We're all called to be stewards and to give and to give cheerfully. But some people are just gifted and can do great things for the kingdom of God. Uh, Truett Cathy was one of those people. You know? um, was it Truett that you know went bankrupt a time or two and then maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. There's, there's one of those guys that's got a testimony a lot like Truett's where you know he made a fortune and lost it. He made a fortune and lost it. And the next time he told God, you know, if I do, if I do anything else from here on out, it belongs to you. And so he made another fortune, but this time rather than giving a tithe, 10%, he lived on 10% and gave 90% away. And he didn't lose that one. I'll have to look that up and see. Maybe it was J.C. Penney. The guy, the guy that was J.C. Penney. Maybe that's who I'm thinking about. Huh? Jacques Penney? <laughs> Colonel Sanders? He's still alive, though, isn't he? No, no. I see him on TV all the time. <laughs> Some of you will go home and look that up. Um, leading and administrating. Uh, I, and I like the fact that they link these two together because I think they do go together. Some people may are a little bit stronger on the administrating part. Uh, some people on the leadership part. But the two do travel together. Uh, they're the people that... You know, when you walk into a room and say, okay, here's, here's what we've got in front of us. Here's the goal that we want to get to. They're the people that, that immediately begin understanding, okay, here's what we need to do. Step one, two, three, and four, and this will get us there, okay? They're, they're willing to step in and take charge of those things. And it's a supernatural ability to do that. Sometimes we make the mistake in some of these gifts, and this is one of them, where we look to people who have a natural affinity to lead, like to lead, want to lead, and we try to translate that into spiritual life, and it doesn't always work that way. 
and that's true for any of these gifts. We don't, we don't choose people for positions in the church based upon what they do in the world. And that doesn't mean that what they do in the world, they got to do something totally different. I had a lady years ago in the church um, uh, in Oklahoma who was our treasurer. When I got there, you know, the church was just forming, and she, she was doing the work as the treasurer, and she was really good at it. She was a CPA. She had her own CPA accounting business. She did my taxes for years even after I came here because she had a son in the ministry and understood all those things. And so I'd care and box things up and send them back to her every year so she could do them and then send them back. But she was, she was doing that. Now, we had a little token team around her, but, but don't kid yourself. She did it, and she did it well and quickly. And so she came to me after two or three years, and she said, you know what, you need to find somebody else to do this job. And I kind of panicked. I said, no, you know, we don't, we don't need to break in anybody else. Uh, we're doing fine, just like it is. And she said, no, I need to, I said, okay, you need a break. You, take, you step back for a year and then, and then step back in. And she said, you're not hearing me, Pastor. She said, I don't want to do this. And I said, I don't understand. She said, I do this six days a week. This is my business. I don't want to do this as my service unto the Lord. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And she said, i got to get back down there teaching those preschoolers, those little munchkins, she called them. And I, I, I had no idea. Everything about her said accountant, you know, and yet she had a passion and an ability to work with those kids that was kind of, you know, over here. And that's where she found her joy and her fulfillment and her contentment. That's what came with ease to her. The accounting thing was just like working seven days a week. So sometimes you have to be careful on that front. Sometimes people have experience in the, in the outside world that will help them and, and can help us too. But we still have to see that the spiritual side is leading the march here and not the other way around. Mercy, the divine enablement to cheerfully detect, empathize with, and assist in meeting the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of other people. Again, just like helping and serving, I told you last week that when I take spiritual gifts inventories, mercy doesn't register. My wife can tell you that without looking at the score. <laughs> that you know. Now that doesn't mean that I don't know how to be merciful, and I don't know how to. I've been at this a long time, and I've there are skills I've had to develop on that front. And it doesn't mean that I'm that I'm fake about it, but it doesn't come easily to me like it does to other people. Same thing with the serving. You know, there's some people that just know how to commiserate with others. They know how to connect and, and minister to people who are going through tough times or difficult times. They just have this gift. Um, another church story, all right? Spiritual gifts inventory. Did the whole church. I told you about the administrators, okay? 65, 70% of them were administrators. Scared me to death. And, but I also had a church that they, you know, they felt like they hired a pastor to do the ministry. And you just think about that a minute. That the, the staff, pastor and staff, were hired to do the ministry. We'll sit back and watch. Mm -hmm. That's not biblical. You know? Ephesians 4 says our job is to equip the body, equip the body for ministry. And then we all do the ministry together. But we use our gifts. We use what we're gifted to do 
by the Lord, those capacities that he's given us, and we complement one another. We don't all, we're not all needed to be alike. We, we should celebrate diversity of gifts because that's what makes us stronger, okay? Some have the gift of health. Some have the gift of serving. Some have the gift of hospitality. Some have the gifts uh, of leading and administrating. But if everybody had everything the same, it'd be like your body being, you know, just a conglomeration of ears or eyes and nothing else. You know, your body wouldn't be very effective or efficient, would it? So in this church, people thought that the pastor was supposed to do all the ministry, all the mercy giving, all the serving, and all those things, do all the visiting. And we took the spiritual gifts inventory. And so I had this trump card. I came back in and I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why is it when we have a church body where more than 50% of the people have as one of their primary gifts the gift of giving mercy, why is it important that one more person in the body has the gift of mercy unless you're just looking at the pastor as the hired gun that lets you off the hook? More than 50% of the people have mercy as a primary gift in this particular church. So if everybody's exercising their gift, I think there's plenty of mercy to go around, don't you? There's plenty of mercy to go around. You don't need another person to give mercy. Not everybody can do or wants to do or would feel that it was anything less than a burden to do what I do every week. But then if, if you deny yourselves the opportunity to do what you do, and it's not a burden for me because I'm called and equipped to do it gifted to do it so we have to find that which god's called us to gifted us to do and and begin to exercise that gift and that's where we find our contentment in christ that's where we find our joy john piper talks a lot about christian hedonism which says it's okay to want to be blessed and joyful to find pleasure even uh, in in the things of god in worshiping god that God hadn't made us to torment ourselves. So if you're trying to do something that you're not gifted to do, it's going to lead to torment and misery. But if you're serving him in a way that you find joy and contentment, that's a good thing. It's good for the kingdom of God, and it's good for you as a person. And, and that's the way God works. Okay. Prophecy preaching. We've kind of traveled on that one, haven't we? Non-revelatory divine enablement to foretell not foretell to proclaim the scriptures. Shepherd teacher, the divine enablement to shepherd Christians by leading, providing, feeding, protecting, and otherwise caring for them. Uh, nourishment is another way of saying that. Spiritual discernment. There is a role for spiritual discernment in the permanent side of things, and that means being able to take the word of God and apply it to situations, to people, to the teachers, to anything that might be going on and saying, this is what God's word says and what's coming here is not compatible or it's in contradiction. Teaching, the divine enablement to clearly interpret, explain, and apply the scriptures to Christians. Teaching is um, um, in the scripture carries a great deal of responsibility uh, with it. Um, that, you know, the, the Bible talks about those who preach and feed the congregation laboring for the souls of those under their charge and that they have a, a deal of accountability you know that's greater uh, than than others because of what we say carries so much weight and so it's an important thing 
again, you may find something out there that you go, well, you know, I think my gift is this or my gift is that. I'll reiterate that we said spiritual gifts are not talents. Your spiritual gift may manifest itself through a talent and the two might combine to be used. But if you've got the gift, you know, if you've got a talent for singing or a talent for playing an instrument, that's not a spiritual gift. But God may use your spiritual gift in the talent, through the talent, to minister to other people. You've got the gift of encouragement, ex exhortation. You know, your singing or, or playing may challenge someone who's just listening and hearing. Um, be inspired, you know, to, to give themselves to the Lord more faithfully. Okay, a lot of ground. Questions? Comments? Arguments? Well, we didn't need Kyle speaking in tongues after all, did we? All right, well, that's all I have. And we will go at it again next week on the return of Jesus. We're going to set some dates next week. We're going to Wait, let me turn this off.